Let me ask you a question today. How many of you remember when you used to date? Anybody still dating? Boy, I got the, the ones of you who raised your hands. Now, I hope you're, if you're married, you're still dating the same one. How many of you found out that sometimes that first impression wasn't exactly what the person really was? Right? I mean, it, the package might have looked good. Come on. But it just, you know, it, it didn't all pan out. So um, we began talking to you last week because we want you to get to know us. And, and so last week we are going to talk to you about what our vision is as a house and as a ministry and what... Uh, those things are that uh, we target, we go for, and we talked about that whole aspect of changing lives to change our world last week. This week, we're going to talk about our values. And so, uh, if you want to take your Bibles this morning, go to the book of Psalm, uh, the 119th chapter. In just a minute, I'll get to that. And let me just greet those who are joining us at our campuses today. We just are trusting and that as, as the Word of God goes forth here, what we know is, is that the Bible says the Word of God shall not return void. So as it's preached here and you watch it there, we believe that God's going to minister uh, to you by this same word that's going to change us this morning here as well. Uh, the book of Psalms, the 119th chapter, uh, says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. This morning I want to give you five values that we hold to uh, as a ministry, as churches uh, together that we believe in. And the, the first one is, is that we value the Word of God above everything. All right? We value the Word of God above everything. In other words, truth is the number one value of this ministry. H how many of you know that there are a lot of different ideas about how you ought to live life? Come on, you know there is. There's, uh, you know, there's the Hindu way to live life. And you have to honor your ancestors and don't eat a hamburger because it might be grandma. So she might have come back reincarnated as, you know, whatever. There's, uh, uh, you know, the whole Buddhist thing where we worship a big fat man. And anyway, keep moving. And uh, either there's, there's all kind of paths out there, and, and, and I love it when they say all paths lead to God. That's like saying all roads lead to New York City. That's a stupid statement. I mean, there, there might be a few roads that lead to you, but there's, there's not all, all roads won't get. If you, start, if you start today and you head south uh, to get to New York City, you, you're going to be blubbering before you get there, all right? I mean, you, you're going to be treading some water, all right? And, and so what, what we have to come to realization is, is that when a church or a ministry looks at how it conducts its business and how it lives life, it has to have a foundation stone. And that foundation with us is the Word of God, that if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, then we don't want to we won't go down that road. Uh, it's, it's interesting how often that values impact us. I, I don't know if you realize this or not, but your values in life determine how you live life. Um, 
Some of you value education, and so you will do everything you can to make sure your children do well in school and that they go to college and maybe even post-doctorate degree or whatever uh, because you value education. Uh, some other people in the congregation just as loves God just as much, they serve God just as well, may not value education to that level. Uh, they may just be happy to get their kids through high school and work in a job and get them out of the house. I mean, they're, they're, but our values determine how we live life. And so when we begin to talk about the value of truth, then, then we have to come and say, okay, what does the Word of God really say? Have you ever heard things preached before and went home and tried to find them in the Bible and they weren't there? I mean, I think some guys are preaching out of the Reader's Digest or Newsweek or something. Um, uh, and, and, you know, the, the Word of God is what's important. The, the Bible says uh, in the book of John, sanctify them by your truth. Your Word is truth, all right? So it's the Word of God that we've got to depend on and rely upon. Now, let me explain something to you about the Word of God. You can prove anything you want to just about by the Word of God. You really can. I, I can prove to you this morning uh, that everybody ought to commit suicide. By the Word of God, using two scriptures out of the Word of God. Why are you looking at me like that? I, I can, okay, they're taken out of context, but I can use it. Here they are. Judas went out and hanged himself. Go thou do likewise. It's Bible. It's the Word. Now, it's totally used wrongly, but it's the Word. I, I, I can show you that. The psalmist David rode a motorcycle according to Scripture. I like that one. The Bible says David's triumph was heard throughout the land. I, I can prove you ought to smoke by Scripture. The Bible says, and Rachel lit off her camel. I mean, I can just keep going. And a lot of times that's what we do if we're not careful. We just take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and kind of syncretically put it together and say, this is truth. No. Listen, let me help you real quickly. Uh, you need to read a few verses before and a few verses after of whatever you're trying to prove. I mean, I've heard pastors and worship leaders for years uh, stand up and say, now, today we want to lift up the Lord because the Bible says if he's lifted up, he'll draw all men unto him. That is true. Read the next verse. It says, he said, uh, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. The very next verse says, this he said, speaking of the death, he would die. So what we're saying is, let's crucify Jesus all over again. Now, how many of you know that's not what we mean, but that's what the Scriptures say? You, you have to take it in context. You have to look at the whole counsel of God. You can't just pick and choose the parts you like. Can you imagine this today if we were to take in our churches and pass the Bible around and say, you take out the parts you don't like? I mean, by the time it got to the last person on the back row, there wouldn't be much left. I don't like this part. I don't like this part. Well, this part doesn't make sense to me. 
Well, I don't understand. And, and by the time we're done, there, there's nothing left. And yet we have to come to that place of understanding that the bedrock of your life, the bedrock of a church and, and what it's doing in the community and around the world has to be founded upon the Word of God. And, and I want to tell you, there are aspects of the Word of God that I don't like. I love how holy we look. I can't believe he would say that. I love everything about the Word of God. Really? You know, the Bible says don't lie too, don't you? No, it really does. You, now, you know the Bible. Now, let me ask you a question. Don't raise your hands. Don't even act guilty. Those of you watching, just you the same. How many of you have ever known that a lie would really work well right at that present time? You know, paraphrase scripture, a lie is a present help in a time of trouble. I know it says the Lord. I changed it. All right. Now, now watch this. There are things about the Scripture that you just don't like. I read a book a few years back. Uh, it said the, day, the title of the book was The Day America Told the Truth. And, and it said somewhere uh, that, that Americans tell between 30 and 40 lies a day. That's the average American. Some of us are much better than average. <laughs> we never wanted to be average. So... I mean, think about that. And yet the Word of God says don't lie. In fact, the Word of God is pretty strong. Revelation 21 and 8 says, All liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Whoa. Well, Pastor, it's just a little white lie. You know, I read the Bible through and through more than once, and I've never found the place for a white lie or a big lie or a little lie. It's just a lie. So you have to come back to that place of, of standing on the Word of God and, and being obedient to what God's Word says and to allow truth to flow through your life and, and to go forth. The, the Word of God tells us in, in the book of 2 Timothy 4.2, it says, preach the Word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. That's what the church is supposed to be doing according to the Word of God. You, you can't live life. Listen, we come from a lot of different backgrounds a lot of different places and if we are not careful we will judge what God's word says by our experience of our heritage well grandma didn't believe that well grandma walked in all the light that she knew if God has revealed something fresh to you you better walk in that amen you you, you need to be sure that everything is founded uh, upon truth. The second thing that we value uh, as a, a ministry and as churches is that we value those who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ and believe our purpose is to reach them. In other words, we value outreach. Now, now listen to me carefully this morning. I am so thankful for those of you who are faithful, who come to the house of God week after week after week, and, and, and you just show up and you do everything and that, that the Word of God has commanded you to do about assembling together uh, and, and not departing from the house. All those things are wonderful, and I am thankful for that. But I want to tell you, it's not about us. Jesus said it this way. He said, I did not come to those who are well. He said, I came to those who need a physician. I mean, how often have we quoted this scripture, but sometimes we quote it and forget it. John 3, 16, everybody in here probably can quote it. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but what? Would have everlasting life. That's the purpose. That's the reason that Jesus came to this earth. And a lot of times if we are not careful as churches, we get, we get sidetracked by that. Listen, do you realize that churches can become country clubs? That, that you have to fit into a certain group and you have to be this and that. And, and we come in and, and, you know, we pay dues. We call it tithes so that you can be part of the, you know, country club mentality of the church. And, well, I, I attend. And, and maybe, maybe we ought to just change it out front instead of saying so in love and truth church, maybe just love and truth country club. But you know what? If you'll keep the lost as the focus God will be pleased with that. The Word of God says in the book of John as well, it says, Do you not say that there are still four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. In other words, quit looking just at everybody around you. Lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white to harvest. I want to tell you, the directive of God Almighty is for the church to lift up its eyes, that we've got to be willing to allow people who don't know Jesus Christ to be drawn into the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen? Now, now, I want to tell you what. If, if you will be uh, a person who exhibits the love of Jesus Christ, people will want to hang out with you. Have you ever met a Christian you didn't want to hang out with? Don't raise your hand. And don't stand up and start pointing across the building. You know you have. I've met people who, who love to, you know, walk up with their Bible tucked under their arm and, bless God, I know the Word. And then they want, you know, the, 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 the Word will kill you, Scripture says. The Word will, the word will wear you out. And, and people show up with that attitude about, I know the Word, and they don't know the one who wrote the Word. And so what we've got to do is we've got to get acquainted with the one who wrote the Word because the one who wrote the Word is concerned about lost people. And so I, I just want to reiterate this this morning. This church is about reaching people whose lives are not where they want to be, but they want to get a relationship with Jesus Christ and come to know Him as their Lord and Savior. That's what it's about. And you said, oh, well, I, I'm a, I'm a tithe-paying member. I show up every week. It ought to be about me. I, I don't want to mess your world up, but read the Word of God. The Bible says that the shepherd looked around, and the 90 and 9 were well taken care of and doing good, but there was one that was missing. And the Word of God says he went to find the one, and he left the 90 and 9 behind. You and I have got to come to that place where we understand that it is important to make people the priority of the church. Rules and regulation are not the priority. Laws are not the priority. Legalism is not the priority. People are the priority of the kingdom of God. The third thing that we value in this house as, as we move on today uh, is that we value, and I want you to listen to this statement, we value all of God's children not respecting race, age, gender or economic status in other words we value diversity good place for an amen listen 
Here's what I believe with all my heart. I believe that every experience in your life brings you to your destiny. Can I say that again? Everything you've gone through, where you grew up, who your mom and daddy were, what kind of circumstance you went through, what school you went to, I believe with all of my heart, none of those things are wasted. I believe every one of them God strategically uses for his glory as you move into your destiny. And so most of you know, but just let me, let me bring it back to you again. I was born in Africa. I lived in Africa. And, and you, if you were to take pictures from when I was a child growing up, what you would see is you would see a sea of black faces and one little white boy in the middle. It was me and all my peeps. And we were hanging in the hood. No, we were hanging in the jungles where we were hanging. And, uh, and so, you know, that's my growing up experience. That's my childhood experiences, all of that. And, I, and then I came to America, and they said, oh, you, you can't go to church with black people. I said, well, what do you mean I can't go to church with black people? Well, they're the minority. I said, well, I used to be. See, I was the minority in Africa, and they loved me. Why? They would show up and say, well, you sh- we, we shouldn't mix the races. Have you read the Bible? Give me a break. Well, that's not in the Scripture anyway. Do you know that Moses was married to a black woman? Go, go read the Scripture. Quit, quit, quit again. Let's go back to truth. Oh, I'm binding spirits, I can tell. I remember pastoring in Adamsville, and you've got to understand, Hardin and McNary County has less uh, in both of those counties in which we were drawing most of our people from. Uh, the, the, uh, the non-white community of, of both those counties was around 5 to 6%. And, and I kept preaching just like I am here today and, and, and for years talked about we needed to be a diverse church. We needed to be a church uh, of, of different cultures and different people. And, and, and we were lily white, man. It was just as white as it would be. We, and, and I just, I kept looking at these, I don't like preaching to all these white people. I need some, I need some browns and tans and blacks. And I, I, I got to have more than just, you know, whitey out there. And, and, uh, and I, I still remember, you guys share, we, we, we went into a staff meeting one Monday morning and I, I just, it hadn't happened. And I just said, guys, um, I, I, maybe I shouldn't preach. I, I don't think we're ever going to be a diverse, multicultural church. And God said, good, I'm glad you gave up. I promise you, the next Sunday, I'm not making this up, the next Sunday, I had two African-American couples with about three kids each came through the doors, walked all the way to the front seat, and sat down and became a part of that church from that day forward. I said, praise God, this is it. We begin to do demographic studies uh, for this local church in Jackson, and we begin to look at even the other churches in Cordova and, and, and around. We begin to say, wait a minute, every, every area is racially diverse. How can we be a church that is not racially diverse? I mean, do, do you realize that the Word of God says that we are going to gather around the throne of God from all nations, all tribes, all kindreds, and all tongues to worship the Lord God Almighty? And if we can't learn to do it here, it's never going to happen there. Sad to say, Martin Luther King said in the 60s, 
And it's still true to this day that the most segregated hour in America is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. And that is sad 40-something years later that we are not getting that anymore. So I just want to tell you, we believe in diversity. We believe not just race, but gender. Listen, I don't think that the only people that God can use are, are men. Right, let, let me give you scripture so you'll, you'll be okay with that. Acts 10, 34 says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Paul said it this way. He said, There's no Jew, there's no Greek, there's no male, there are no female in the body of Christ. Why is it for all these years, i got to hurry, but, I, but I'm on something here. Why is it for all of these years we have, we have allowed women to serve wiping snotty-nosed kids and teaching them about the foundational truths of the Scripture, but don't you dare let them up on the stage? I mean, I read Scripture and it talks about prophetess in the Bible. I read the Word of God, and it talks about the, uh, a, a church group that was Aquila and Priscilla. They were the leaders of a local church. Listen, God is not respecter of persons. God doesn't care. If you are a willing vessel and you are open to God, there is no glass ceiling in the kingdom of God. He will use you if you will allow Him to. And so the church has to be diverse. It has to be diverse race. It has to be diverse gender. It also has to be diverse uh, in economic status. I mean, most churches you go to, if, if, if you're not careful, it's, it's a small slice only of the economic status uh, of, of the area. I want to tell you, I don't think that's right. I think you ought to have poor people and rich people in the same church going together. I think you ought to have middle class and upper class and lower. I think, I think you ought to have educated and uneducated. I think we all ought to learn to live for God together and not to judge one another because we have all been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Number four. The fourth thing today that we value is we value times of intimate worship and fellowship with God. The fourth thing we value is we value worship. I want to tell you something about worship. Worship can do things that nothing else can. There is something about when we come together. Now, it's great to worship by yourself, in your home, in your car, wherever. But there is something that happens when we come together as the local body of Christ and we begin to just enter in. And as the praise team and the worship leader begins to direct us into the presence of God, all of a sudden the anointing of the Holy Spirit begins to fill the house. And things that we couldn't handle and hurts that we couldn't heal and problems that we couldn't solve, all of a sudden the presence of God begins to come down upon the people of God. And God in one moment in a worship service can change your life forever. You say, well, I don't sing good. Well, join the crowd. That's why I love the scripture, God loves a joyful noise. If you can't sing well, then have a joyful noise. Amen. The Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. 
So a lot of times I'm just making noise. But you know what? God likes my noise. In fact, the Bible says that God comes down and lives in my noise. It says he inhabits, he dwells in, he lives in the praises of his people. And so when we come together, listen, somebody over here may raise a hand. Somebody else over here may clap their hand. Somebody else over there may stand stock still and tears run down their face. I don't really care. I mean, I believe God gives us injunctions of how to worship, etc. It really doesn't matter to me. Somebody else may dance. Somebody else, whatever. That, that doesn't, all that I say to you this morning is, is that anytime there is corporate worship going on, it is needful for you to be involved. Don't stand back and wait for your favorite song to come up. This is not a jukebox. You don't play B-17 again. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's not that kind of a deal. It's, it's like, Lord, Lord, I didn't, I didn't come today to worship you if the praise team sang the song that I like. I came to worship you today because you are my creator, you are my redeemer, you are my sustainer, you are the lover of my life, and I will worship you in spirit and in truth. And so worship is so vitally important. In fact, worship breaks through the barriers in people's lives. I have watched worship in a service do something that preaching can't do. I have watched people who are hardened against preaching, but all of a sudden a song begins to be sung and the words begin to take on a melodious melody and all of a sudden that hard heart begins to break and tears begin to course down people's cheek because there is something about worship that moves past the cerebral and moves into the eternal spirit of man and touches them and all of a sudden they know that God loves them. So worship is vital. Don't ever think about it. Again, I grew up in a, in a place, and many of you did. You, you remember in the day when they would always introduce the pastor or the preacher who was going to preach? Remember that? Somebody would always come. Am I the only one who went to church? Like, okay, you know, th there was somebody who would always introduce the, now we're going to introduce the right reverend, brother, bishop, whatever, and, and they'd give this. And a lot of times what would be said at that point is, is that, well, we're glad to get the preliminaries over because now we're going into the Word. And I grew up thinking because I kept hearing that, that, you know, singing and worship was preliminary. That really didn't do much until I read the Scripture. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that Judah, that word Judah can be translated praise. It says praise plows up. In other words, worship gets us ready to receive the Word of God so that when the Word of God goes forth, we are now prepared and it finds good ground and the seed falls in and it produces 30, 60, and 100-fold return in our life. So worship is never preliminary. Worship is always vital and important within the house of God. Number five and the final one this morning is this, is that we value the empowerment of all God's people to minister in his kingdom. In other words, our fifth value is the value of empowerment. The book of Acts, the first chapter and the eighth verse says, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world. Now, listen, if God has given you power, don't you think you ought to do something with it? Somewhere in the, in the ages past, in church history, we, we lost this. 
You, you do realize that at one point of church history that the only people that had a Bible were the paid clergy and the priest, and it was literally chained to the pulpit because they did not want the common man to have the Word of God. And then when the Reformation took place, it began to break through all of that, and we began to see the Word of God disseminated, but we still carried this forward that there was the clergy. Now, you understand the clergy and laity, I hope. Here's, here's, here's the deal. Clergy, those of us who are clergy, we're paid to be good. Those of you who are laity, you're just good for nothing. John Maxwell, uh, who's a motivational speaker, but he used to be a pastor, said years ago, I heard him when he pastored in San Diego, uh, he said, he said, at our church, we don't have clergy and laity, we just have clayity. He said that we're just all made out of mud. And you know what? That really is true. Now, there are offices that God sets up. Ephesians says he, he, he gave it to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But watch what it says it's for. For the equipping of the saints so that the saints would go forth and do ministry. Here's what I believe with all of my heart. Every person listening to me today, there is something that you can do, and you're the only one who can do it for the kingdom of God. You're the only one. There's nobody else that can fill your shoes. See, our problem is, is that we're kind of like David when he decides he wants to fight Goliath, remember that, that Old Testament story? Uh, and the king Saul, who the Bible says was head and shoulders above all men, so he stood, you know, seven and a half, eight feet tall. He's a big, tall guy. And, and David's a little a scrawny 17, 18-year-old kid, been on the backside of nowhere with a bunch of sheep. And he shows up, and, and Saul says to him, well, if you're going to go out and fight Goliath, this nine-foot-tall giant, he said, you've got to wear my armor. And, and he takes all this armor, you know, puts all this armor on him, gives him his sword and his shield, and David can't even move. Right? And, and David starts taking it off, and he says, I haven't tried this. I haven't tested this. But he said, let me go down to the creek, and let me get some stones. And he said, he said I've, I've been practicing with a slingshot. And he said, I've gotten really good with it, and if you'll let me fight with what I'm good at, I can take that giant. We all know the story. He picked up five smooth stones. People said that they stood for J-E-S-U-S. I don't think it did. Five smooth stones. He took one of them, popped the guy right between the, his eyes and killed him. Walked over, took his sword and cut his head off, grabbed his bloody head and held it up. Right? But if you read Scripture, Goliath had four brothers. I think David was saying, I'll take you and your brothers come out. They're going down too. I because David knew who he was, and he fought within what God had given him. If you would understand who you are, and you would operate in the empowerment that God has given you, can't anybody touch what you are called of God to do. I mean, I, I can remember, and, and even still to this day, I can remember as a young pastor uh, going, going to church uh, and hearing somebody else preach and, and just, being, just being blown away by their oratory or whatever and coming back and trying to preach their sermon. You know, they, they would move people. I mean, people were just, just all over the place. And, and I'd, preach the, I'd say the exact same words. And everybody's looking at me like, so what? Wonder when we're going home. 
I mean, I, still to this day, I, I watch Bishop Jakes. How many of you ever know who T.D. Jakes is? I watch Bishop Jakes is about the only, one of the only preachers that I still watch to this day. Because he just, it just messes with me how much he can get out of one, one word. He can wear it out. I'm sitting there, I mean, I get eight sermons from, you know, from a three-minute segment of his sermon. It's just, I'm going, and, and you know, and I, and I can get up here and go, I can do like, you know, he, he goes, get ready, get ready, get ready. I mean, the place goes, Phew. I go, get ready, get ready, get ready. Y'all start picking up your Bibles, putting your coats on. <laughs> Grabbing the kids. Out, Bubba. He said, get ready. We're done. Let's go. <laughs> so I, I just determined I, I couldn't wear Bishop's armor. But God had given me some armor. And I'm just, I'm just going to use what he's given me. So see, here's the deal. You have an empowerment from God Almighty. And if you'll take what God's given you, the world can't stop you. Darkness can't destroy you. Even the devils of hell can't take away what God's given you. The Bible says height nor depth nor any creature is able to separate us from the love of God. I want you to know today that I believe that God has empowered you to do great things. And so that's a value. These are the things that we try to live life by. Are we perfect? No. Do we fail? Yes. But they are the bedrock that we look to as a congregation, as a ministry, week in and week out. These are the things that we value. And you know what? I believe if we continue to value them, God will continue to add to the church daily such as should be saved. And that's the most important thing of anything that happens this whole week is that people are saved.